1: Welcome to Master Mindset. Reframe your thinking, master your mindset with Nate
0: Schula and Kim Adele.
1: So, today I'm interviewing Kyla Hindle, and she is My Career Brands' specialist coach for emerging leaders who are looking to secure their next role and grow their career to lead at a more senior level. She also specializes in developing job interview skills. Kyla's background is in recruitment, commencing her career with a global recruitment agency in 2003. Kyla's worked both in an agency environment and as a business partner, working alongside senior leadership to support their hiring needs. Kyla is passionate about ensuring her executive and interview skills, coaching forms, a natural extension to building your value proposition, CV, LinkedIn and personal brand and mitigates the risk of you failing at the last hurdle, your interview. So it's a really interesting episode. And I think for anyone who's looking to progress in their career, doesn't matter if you're uh, just starting out or you're, you know, getting another high level position. This is a great interview to listen to. Thank you. Cheers. Well, today I'm joined by Kyla Hindle. And you're over in Auckland, aren't you?
0: I am. Yes, here in sunny Auckland. I'm from the UK originally, but I've um, I've been living in Auckland now for seven, eight years.
1: Brilliant, brilliant. Yeah. Nice part of the world. There's a lot, lot more going on in Auckland than the rest of New Zealand.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, there definitely is. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's definitely an adjustment in terms of pace of life when you move here from the UK. Yeah. Um, Lots, lots to offer nonetheless.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I had the privilege to speak to your, your colleague, Craig, the other day, and we, we discussed how to actually land a job interview from getting your CV right and getting your LinkedIn profile up to, up to scratch, basically. And he recommended I speak to you because you are an expert in interviewing skills and getting prepared For the interview, and I, you know, I I went on a few interviews back in the day before I was sort of self-employed, and generally, I I felt very, very nervous. Probably, probably due to the lack of preparation, I would think.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That won't help you. Um, uh, It won't help your nerves if you're walking into an interview feeling a little bit unprepared. Um, But I think most people do tend to feel quite nervous and a little bit anxious before they go into interviews because. You know, you never quite know who you're going to meet um, and you never really know exactly what's going to come up. Um, but um, yeah, there's definitely certain techniques and, and certain things that you can do to minimise those feelings of nervousness um, and just make sure that you're well prepared before you walk in to the interview. Um, so shall I just run through what some of my key points might be?
1: Well, I was just, I was just, my brain was just thinking about, have you seen, have you seen a lady called Amy Cundy?
0: No, that name is well, not familiar.
1: It's, she's, she's fantastic. It, basically, it's, it's, she talks about body language and, and actually how it makes you feel. So when you arrive at the interview, it's kind of like, maybe it's a bit further on because you're going to, you're going to explain about preparation first, aren't you? So I'll, I'll let you do that. And then we'll come back to this in a minute. It's quite interesting.
0: Yeah, it definitely is interesting. And body language is a really important um, a really important part of feeling confident and feeling good. Um, but yes, before you actually walk through the door, um, I think that there's a lot that you can do to make sure that you are getting prepared to talk about the parts of your experience that are really going to resonate with the person that's interviewing you. Um, and what I would do, first of all, is just make sure that you have... And you will have done this anyway. Um, prior to submitting your CV, typically, um, you will have aligned your skills and your capabilities and your experience to the key selection criteria that they're looking for in that position. Um, before you go to the interview, and ideally, actually, before you've um, before you've submitted your application, you want to try and do as much research as you can on the organisation that you're going to be interviewing with. Um, so look up. Um, You know, look, go for the company, go through the company website, look up their company details on LinkedIn, look up the individual's details and background on LinkedIn, um, look at company reports um, and any kind of information that you can get your hands on about the organisation as a whole. Their values, their mission statement and their purpose um, are also really interesting things that you ideally would want to be aligned with. So having an understanding of what they are um, will really help you when you come to sit down in, in the interview. Um, and then the, the most important thing obviously that you want to do your research on is the role. Um, clever job seekers will try and speak prior to the interview with someone inside the organization, ideally the hiring manager, um, to try and understand what the key, what the real challenges are that this role is going to tackle over the next sort of six to 12 months. Um, if you think about a job description, typically it's got a long list of responsibilities and not all of them are key priorities. Um, so if you can get that added insight by talking to somebody in advance of your interview to really get a good understanding of what the real, the real hot buttons are, um, you can bet your life that that is what's going to come up in an interview. So, um, So going through the job description and also getting that added insight prior to the meeting to try and understand what the key challenges are that the role will face and really work through your experience and think about examples of situations that you've been in in the past where you've had to display, where you've had to tackle similar challenges. Um, Competency-based interviewing is Something that's used really prevalently in in hiring these days, which is the "Tell me about a time where you were required to do da 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 da." Um, and this kind of question requires you to articulate a specific example, to give the context, to give your actions that you went through, um, to give the results, um, and also to give your takeaways or your reflections on on what you've learned from that situation. Um, so you want to really know before you get into the interview, which of your experience, which of your kind of war stories you're going to pull out from your repertoire to talk about when you're in that interview. Um, and you want to make sure that you're talking about the relevant, the relevant topics. So that's before you've even got to the interview, is to, is, to, is to sit there and make sure that you do all of that preparation. So I might just pause there and ask if you've got any, any questions at that point.
1: So, Okay. Um, I'm just kind of thinking about that. So what's next then? Okay. So, so
0: you've done all your prep. Um, you've researched the, you've done all of your research and you're ready. You feel like you understand, um, the company, the role, the person that you're meeting with. Um, so you're ready to go in and wow them at the interview. Um, the morning of the interview or the day of the interview, You know, try and get yourself a good night's sleep the night before. Um, Plan to be at the meeting point an hour before the actual interview is scheduled for. Um, There is nothing worse than arriving in a sweaty flap to a meeting stressed out because your bus has been cancelled or you've missed a train or the traffic was worse than you thought it was going to be. You're not going to perform at your best if you're arriving in a state of stress um, and it doesn't look good for the interviewer from the interviewer's perspective either if you're if you're getting there late so just do yourself a favor get there plan and plan to get there really early go and have a coffee read through your notes um, you know listen listen to music or you know do whatever you will will relax you prior to the prior to the meeting but whatever you do don't be late um, and then when you walk in Company, and I'm going to talk now about the point that you mentioned, but, you know, make sure oh, before we get to that, um, make sure that you're dressed appropriately, which just yeah. sounds like, you know, really basic one one stuff. But you want to be dressed in the way that the person that's interviewing you is going to be dressed. So if you're going to an interview in a bank or in a professional services firm, that means a suit. Um, if you're going for an interview in an advertising agency, it probably doesn't mean a suit, you know, it might mean something a little bit more casual, but whatever you're wearing, your attire should reflect their business attire.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, And again, that's going to give you that sense of confidence when you walk in to the interview, is is knowing that you're dressed appropriately. Um, When you walk into the interview, think about, you know think about your eye contact think about who you're meeting with make sure you you know make sure you smile make sure you give a nice firm handshake but don't you know bone, no no bone crushes <laughs> make sure and then make sure during the or at the, the start of the meeting that you you know you you smile and you relax and you do the small talk a little bit because that will it will make it will put you at ease and it's quite endearing to the person that is meeting with you. So whether you talk about the weather, whether you talk about the coffee that you've just had, um, you know, whether whether you ask how their morning's been, just some kind of icebreaker um, is, is a good way to introduce yourself in an, in an interview. Um, and then, you know, sit down, make sure that you are not slouching in your seat, make sure that you're sitting up. If you're somebody that flails their hands around a lot, like I am, um, I'm tempted to, to sit on them or, you know, cross them on the table. So you, you don't want your arms flailing everywhere during, during the meeting. Um, you just want nice, positive body, body language, sit up, appear engaged in the conversation and, um, don't forget to smile. Um, the other thing that I think is important is to be really authentic in an interview um I think people I think a lot of the time because people find interviews so nerve-wracking they leave their personality at the door um and what what I certainly experienced as a as an interviewer was that I could go through a whole interview with somebody feeling that they were feeling that I wasn't really seeing an insight into that person and what made that person tick um and then at the end I'd kind of ask them if they'd got any questions and we'd go through that process and then you'd literally visibly see them relax and then they might smile and then they might start loosening up a little bit. And that is kind of the bit of your personality that you want to kind of bring in earlier in the, in the interview. Um, Because the, that relatability is really important. Um, And, you know, nobody wants to, Nobody wants to interview robots. You know, you want to be able to build some rapport with somebody during the, during the process. And you do that by giving them a bit of an insight into you and your, your life. Um, yeah, I think that probably covers the body language aspect. Was there anything else that, um, that you had heard from Amy Cundy?
1: Yeah, it's really interesting, actually. So they did they did some tests. On on people and and basically she she talks about body language and how you should actually stand like maybe in the bathroom for like a couple of minutes before you actually go into the interview um, and actually stand there like with your hands on your hips and and sort of in a in a really open kind of big kind of posture is what what she's basically saying and and what she said was is that. A, a, a lot of people, they will actually sit there with their, with their you know, on their mobile phone, like looking down at their mobile phone, right, when they're waiting to go into the interview, for an example, as opposed to, I mean, on another extreme, I mean, what she said was, you know, put your feet on the desk and like put your hands behind your head is kind of the other extreme of it. So that's a really big pose, isn't it? I mean, obviously, you're not going to do that when you're in the interview room. But yeah. what she's what she's actually saying is that the hormones uh the testosterone uh and cortisol um basically the goal is to have high testosterone and low cortisol so in order to do that you need to have one of these postures basically for two minutes is is what she said um fairly close to the time when you're going to go in there and, and obviously speak to speak to the person interviewing you but they actually did this test and, and they had an interviewer ask these people some questions and go through a, a series of fake interviews. And actually, that person chose every single person who had done the power pose before um, and actually said, well, they don't didn't want to hire the other person.
0: That's very interesting, isn't it? Yeah
1: really interesting it's 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 well worth looking at and actually watching mm. she's got a, a video on youtube which is like a ted talk and i think i think that's probably i don't know how many views it's got but it's it's really quite an inspirational one because she talks about how how basically she you know fake it before you make it like this kind of thing right but you can't you can't fake it in an interview because they're going to ask you questions you're not going to know the answer but i think what she's talking about is actually just you know, be the person that you want to be kind of thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I can totally, I can totally see the value in that. And just to make, just to, to come back to your point there that you said about not knowing what's going to come up in an interview, you can actually predict with a reasonable level of accuracy. You know, there's always that there, there's always the potential for a crazy question, but you right. can actually put with a reasonable level of accuracy, what, You know broadly what topics are going to come up, and you can have a really well-prepared answer. Um, One of the things that I didn't mention actually when I was talking about um, about getting prepared for the interview was when you've when you've when you've worked out which examples you want to talk about to actually talk about them. Um, Whether that means that you talk to somebody that you live with, or whether you stand in front of the mirror and you literally talk through the examples of the situation that you've, that you've been in, where you've had to display the skills that you think they need for this role, um, verbalizing them, something having, having actually spoken them aloud a couple of times will a give you the opportunity to kind of check whether it's, whether it sounds right, but it will also, there's some kind of muscle memory that happens when you sit down in an interview environment and when you've actually verbalized something a few times before, the nervousness and the anxiety that, that a lot of us feel when we're in an interview is very easily overcome by the fact that you're talking about something that you've spoken about before. And, you know, we talk a lot about interviewing being a skill. Um, and it's basically just the fact that you've talked about your experiences three or four times. And once you've talked about them a few times, you've, you've kind of learned how to tell that story without it sounding clunky. Um, so actually standing either in front of the mirror or in front of somebody else who will listen to you and and verbalizing your examples will make sure that you, you you articulate them a lot more fluidly when you're when you're being interviewed
1: wow that's really good advice really good advice i think would you would you go so far as to maybe recording it on your phone and then playing it back to yourself mm-hmm. perhaps
0: definitely i mean we so one of the one of the modules that we use at my career brand, um, for our interview skills training, we record all of the participants who, who we, we take through. So as part of the program, we take people through a mock interview. Mm-hmm. Um, so they will, I'll have somebody send, um, a job description for a role that they'd be interested in applying for. And I'll mock up some questions and then we'll work through some, we'll work through those questions in an interview skills training session. Wow. Um, and all of those sessions so people can see how they come across and um and how they sound when they're actually trying to stumble through their answers and it's very insightful you know even even the people who are well prepared tend to sort of stop and go or if i you know if i have my time again i'd probably answer that question a little bit differently right um so yes absolutely record yourself with your phone because you really you get much greater insight into how you come across when you're when you've when you can look back at yourself by doing that
1: wow i think that's really really important definitely preparing because it's going to take away that edge that stress hormone uh which is going to damage what you're what you're saying because we all say stupid things when we're nervous i do i don't know about you
0: yeah Yeah, definitely definitely
1: so so what sorts of really crazy interview questions have you have you got? Because I'll give you an example. I had one the other day because uh, I was I interviewed a, a, a personal friend of mine who's she works in the Canadian government in in uh, in in marketing basically. So she's interviewed quite a few people over the years, and she said she said the best question is t- it, it, that she's got is actually she says, "How do you rate your skills on this from one to ten? Ten being the best, one is the worst, right?" And and she said that it's amazing. You can tell so much from someone who if they say that they are like and she does it. She says compared to an expert in that particular field. Yeah. How would you compare yourself about, you know, do you know everything there is to know about that subject? And I just found that particularly interesting. And she said that it gives it gives her a good gauge of like the ego of the person and whether they, whether they think there's room for continuous development, you know?
0: Yeah, it would be really interesting to look at the data and whether there are any differences in responses from males versus females. Um, not that we're wishing to look at gender bias here, but certainly in the job application process, there is um, a lot of research that's been done that supports the fact that women will if there are ten, 10 key selection criteria, if women only meet nine of them, a lot of the time they won't apply for the role.
1: Wow. Whereas
0: men, they'll kind of look at it and go, oh, I'll take half of those boxes. I'll <laughs> <checking>. <laughs> um, and I think, you know, the men typically tend to have a bit more of a gung-ho, go for it kind of attitude, whereas women question their skills a, a lot more. Um, so it'd be interesting to see the differences in um, in, or whether there is any difference from from a gender perspective with with regards to those questions. But in terms of the kind of questions that I would ask to that I would that I would expect to come up in an interview, um, I think you're always going to be asked to to give an elevator pitch. So you know a quick um, a quick sort of thirty second snapshot of you and what drives and motivates you, as well as your skills and your experience um you may well be asked what your development needs are which is an awful question but certainly um certainly something that you should have an answer prepared for um because without having a prepared answer you might end up telling the interviewer that it's a you know it's 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 a weakness that you need a lot of support around. Whereas what you really want to do is say, look, I've acknowledged that this isn't a strength of mine, but I've done all of these things and I've set myself up in this way um, so that it does it isn't an issue moving forward. So definitely anticipating that question will, will help how you, how you come up. Um, in terms of the competency-based questions, a good, a good tip from me would be to think about, to not only think about, um, questions that come up kind of on the positive side of the competency and I'll give you an example so I might ask somebody to tell me about a time where they've built a really successful relationship with a customer or a colleague um, but I would probably also ask them to tell or I may also ask them to tell me about a time where they've struggled to build a positive relationship with a with a customer or a colleague so you're kind of asking um Asking questions from the negative side of the the competency or the capability as well, um, what you really want to be hearing in the answer to that question, or, or what that question is an opportunity for the interviewer to do, is to demonstrate that they are still a great relationship builder when the going gets tough. Um, so you don't you want to hear an example of a relationship that ha- is has been has been has been built and is is really successful but may have had some challenges along the way Um, what you don't want to hear is a relationship that they haven't been able to build and you know that leaves the interviewer feeling that that's not one of your strengths all interview questions basically are an, an opportunity for you to demonstrate where you have the skills and capabilities so um so thinking about things from the negative side as well really demonstrates m- more to the point that you have, that you have those skills.
1: Right. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Cause it's, uh, it's important to, to frame it in the w- right way. Definitely. So what other, what other sort of questions do you think, like, you know, like curveball kind of questions that have amused you over the years?
0: <sighs> curveball questions that have amused me over the years. Um, Oh, I don't see it so much at a senior level. The curveball questions. It's Certainly in my in my early, in my early right. days, of recruitment when I was recruiting more junior people, um, hiring managers would like to ask questions like, "If you were an animal, what would you be?" And yeah. you know, <laughs> wacky wacky things like that, which require a bit of a, a bit of a funny story and a spin. But um, but no, I can't really think of anything. I think um, I think from. I think the, the things in my experience that tend to really trip people up are those competency-based questions um, and having, you know, being able to give an appropriate level of detail in the context section. So I, I talked earlier on, sorry, about um, about structuring those competency-based questions in um, using a CART methodology. So the C for CART stands for context. So basically setting the scene and talking about um, what the situation was and what your role was. Um, The A in in CART stands for actions, so what you did. The R stands for results and the T stands for takeaway. When people, in my experience, people tend to either get lost in irrelevant detail in these examples or not give enough detail Um, and I think the, the really important thing when asking questions like this is to make sure that you are taking the time to really set up the context. Um, because then when you get to the impact or when you get to the results, if, if you've set the scene with the context and you've appropriately laid out what the challenges were, it makes your actions and the fact that you had to overcome all of those challenges to deliver a, you know, a positive business outcome much more impactful um so i think the the curveball f- for me or where i've certainly seen most people tripping up is being able to to structure a really great answer to those competency based questions it's a actually selecting the right example in the first place and b giving an appropriate level of detail in the the car and t um elements of the answer does that right. make sense
1: yeah so basically just what the outcome was is like that is like you know, the the final kind of uh closing of of that section, right?
0: Exactly. So the one other point to note on the outcome is to make sure that you've taken that outcome as far as you can. So say for example, in a sales-based role you manage to um in a really uncomplicated example, you might have bought on board a new client. you want to take it one step further than just saying, so I bought on board this new client. You want to talk about the revenue that this client generated or would was, was going to generate. You want to talk about the impact that having that client um, on board had to your business and um, to your market positioning and, um, and just make sure that you've taken that example as far as you can, because otherwise you've kind of just done your job um, the the so what is is what's going to be really important to the person that's interviewing you. They want to understand the impact that you your skills and experience is going to have on their business. So if you can be demonstrating that you've built market value or that you've generated extra revenue, which enabled the organisation to meet its target, it's a lot more impactful than saying, I bought on a new client. Yeah. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, completely. So... What about so you so okay? You've gone through an interview, right? And you've and you've 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 done all of this. You prepared for that, but what about preparing for like group activities and interviews like that? I mean, I'll just give you an example. I, I was I was applying. This was this has got to be about ten years ago, eleven years ago maybe. I was applying for a for a job um, in, in a sales role for a very very big company in the UK, like a big wine and spirits wholesale uh, business. And I remember that they had, I remember when I got there, I got there early, but I reversed into someone in the car park. Right. And I was just like, I was a bit like, I was just a bit out of my depth really, I think, because I didn't prepare or anything. I'd never been to an interview like that before. And, and they put us into this group interview, right? Like personality kind of test sort of thing. It was really quite weird. And they said, so you've got all these different people and you've you've you're you're down in a in a in a mine shaft and you can only save five out of the uh, four out of the five people who are you going to pick and i was just like oh wow and we had to kind of go into these group discussions of like why we were going to save so and so you know what what the reason is behind it and we had to debate it with like another four or five people who were competing for the same job what do you think about those
0: oh they're, they're quite awkward aren't they those situations yeah. um what you're being measured on in that environment is not the conclusion that you reach around you know which people that you're going to save um or yeah. in most part not you know they they may have been i think what the assessors are looking for when they're observing you in that kind of assessment center or that kind of Crazy group activity is they're looking for how you engage with a group, um, and what they'll be looking for is somebody who contributes, who is positive, who is respectful, who's um, uh, but but also probably someone who isn't too easily swayed by the group. Who you know who will who will um, be confident in their own convictions. Um, I think yeah i think very often you get in in those kind of environments you can lose track of what you're actually trying to demonstrate by trying to reach an outcome right um so yeah i would be thinking what you're going to be measured on in that environment is how you engage with the group um and how you you know how you how you how you put your own opinion forward um so yeah i think and there are, there are, it's, it's really hard to say exactly what they'll be looking for because it really depends on what the role is. Um, you know, different roles require different skills and different competencies, but I would think about, you know, if you're going in for a sales role, you would have been judged on your ability to persuade and to influence and to negotiate and to build relationships and kind of all those sales related competencies. Right. Um, so you've got, you know, you've got to be able to listen Um and and you know be respectful of other people's um, be respectful of other people's opinions. The other things that um, are often assessed in those um, in those kind of assessment centres are alignment to organisational values. Um, so if you are somebody who you know, and organisational values tend to sit around respect and integrity, or well, there tends to be some kind of um, component in there where you treat your colleagues with 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 respect so you know don't talk over people um don't don't jump up and down to try and make your point heard you know be be respectful of the other people that are in the group and and you know enable everybody to have the opportunity to voice their opinion um quite often there will be people in the group who are quieter and who need to be invited to contribute. And, you know, you kind of stepping forward and inviting um, contribution back from those people can be recognised as um, as an important selection, um, an, an important behavioural tendency as well.
1: Hmm. That's really interesting. I've been wondering about that for years. <laughs> 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 Seriously, I, 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 it hasn't been bothering me. Like I don't like lose sleep over it. Do you know what I mean?
0: We when I worked previously um, in recruitment for a global business, we were we were looking at um, doing hiring some entry level roles, doing some bulk assessment for some entry level roles um, in our business. Um, And one of the group exercises that we asked people to participate in was a debate. um, And the debate was if you had a superpower, what would it be? Would you rather be invisible or would you rather be be able to fly? so completely irrelevant because you're never going to be able to do either of those things. But, um, but they both, they spark quite intense debate Um, and it's a great opportunity for you to be able to, you know, ultimately they're trying to, that's, that's exactly what an organization is trying to do is to try and um, get people responding in a way that's quite passionate um, to, to get everybody contributing. So yes, it's about it's about how you engage um and you know whether your style is in line with the, the organization's values.
1: Very interesting. Very, very interesting. That's that's amazing. You've shared so much value. That's that's absolutely brilliant. So so what happens next then? Like you've you've answered all these questions, you've you've tried to put your best self forwards at the beginning. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what you're basically saying, yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Okay. So you're trying to show off who you really are, you know, be friendly, uh, approachable, open and everything else. Show off your best skills throughout the interview so that so they yeah. actually, you speak. Sorry, I'm you, you to...
0: talking over you. I was it's just right. going to say. Yeah, sorry. Go not, on. It's not about your best skills. It's about your skills that align most um, with, the role, with the role that you're being interviewed for. Right. So. You will probably have a repertoire of skills that's more and, and experiences that are that is more broad than than the individual role that you're talking about. So it's just making sure that you're prepared to talk about the right parts of your experience, rather than the parts that you think are the best, because right. what what might be best might change from one interview to the next, depending on the organisational needs.
1: Right, I get you. I get you. So so then, how would you? Right. So you've got through you've got through that bit and you've 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 managed to show off the right skills for the right role. okay? And you've been passionate about those things. So how would you sort of wrap up that interview? Would you leave it to the interviewer or how would you close?
0: I would. Yeah, I would leave it to the interviewer. Um, I think. I think the interviewer needs to bring the interview to a conclusion um I would definitely make sure that you have got questions to ask that are relevant to the person that you're meeting with mm-hmm. um and what I mean by that is that if you're meeting the CFO or or the you know one of the one of the business heads you don't want to be talking to them about what kind of hours you're going to be working or, um, you know, basic questions you want to be asking them questions about organizational growth and, you know, what success looks like in in their organization and, and just questions that are relevant of the level of stakeholder that you're meeting with. Um, so always have questions. Um, and, you know, I would make sure if you're going into an interview that you've got at least five or six questions prepared and that, you know, probably you will get to ask some of them through the, throughout the course of the interview, but never ever get to a point where the interviewer is saying to you, Have you got any questions? and you ask them, You say no. You know, you really want to make sure that you've got questions to ask the interviewer. Um, so once the interviewer does wrap up, you want to make sure that you're clear on what the next steps are um, and where, you know, where they go to from here. Um, just so that you, you know, so you've got some clarity on, on that essentially. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I would, thank them for their time um, and um, you know, once you've, once you've asked them any, any questions, thank them for the time, confirm what the next steps are um, and affirm your interest in the position um, and then leave. Um, and then I would, I would, I would follow up. Um, I think there are two schools of thought around following up after an interview, but I, um, I'm certainly of the school of thought that it, it is nice to send an email um, to the person that you've met with just to thank them for their time and to reconfirm your interest in the position. Um, and um, yeah, then you're kind of in the lap of the gods a little bit at that, at that point.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So you wouldn't recommend like adding them on LinkedIn and saying, thanks for your time. Cause that can feel a bit awkward, can't it? If they don't accept you straight away, it might feel a bit funny for you.
0: Well, yeah, I'd probably wait until the process was concluded before right. I added in. but I would, I would drop them an email. And typically, you'll have their business cards anyway because they will have shared them with you when you've gone for an interview. Um, if you haven't, then you can um, you can always email. If the, if the meeting's been set up by a recruiter, you could, always, you could always email the recruiter and ask them to pass on your thanks and your interest.
1: Right. Yeah, it makes sense. It's, it's only polite, isn't it?
0: Exactly. Yes, it is polite. Yeah. Uh, You know, it's going to leave the interviewer with a positive feeling about you.
1: Yeah. Well, that's brilliant. Thank you. That's been fantastic. So there is a next step, right? So say you've got the job. Yeah. Yeah. You guys, you guys have got an expert in your business who helps people when they get into the job to not look like an idiot. Right. Yeah. So I forget the chap's name. I haven't spoken to him yet. But I'd appreciate it if we can kind of arrange arrange to uh, get that in the diary because I want to I want to put that into this uh, series because it's a series of three. Because you first of all you want to get the interview, so you need your CV, your LinkedIn profile, looking sharp, and your value proposition statement and all that sort of stuff. Then you go to the interview, which is where you come in, and then you've got a gentleman who deals with. The the last bit making you more likable, I suppose.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, not so much more likable, making sure that you're focused on making those first sort of ninety days in the business mm-hmm. successful, and, right? And making sure that you make that onboarding part because ultimately, the business has some responsibility for onboarding you into a new role, but you also have a responsibility as well, and and that's where. That's where Chris Gray steps in. Um, So he um, he coaches around onboarding for for success, um, typically at the executive level. But it's certainly um, you know this he can certainly look at um, look at other levels outside of that. Um, And yes, I know he's very keen to talk with you as well. Cool. Um, So let me get that set up.
1: Cool. Yes, that will be absolutely brilliant. Well, I will leave you to it. You've been really kind. Thank you so much for fitting me in, and. Yeah. It's been, it's been great. How, so how do people find you?
0: Yep. So you can find, so our website is www.mycareerbrand.net. Uh, and if you wanted to email me, if you, you can get in touch with me on kyla.hindle at mycareerbrand.net. And I'll, you'll post the spelling of my name on the, on the title of the podcast, I'm sure.
1: Oh yeah, it's, yeah, for sure. I'll pop it in there. Definitely. Brilliant.
0: Thanks for listening to Mastermindset Please, don't forget to follow wherever you listen and tell your friends. And tell your friends. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.